Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to presenting one of our commonly requested topics. This is a special request that we're going to do, I think, a two-part series. So looking forward to doing that. Excellent. Uh, Julie, are you, if you're using your headset, just go right straight to your phone, okay? All right. So, uh-huh. uh, guys, a couple of, a couple announcements. Uh, starting tomorrow, we're going to be broadcasting in HD. We've got the studios completely set up so that the audio quality, per some of you who have been requesting it, um, is going to uh, be fixed. It's going to be improved. So it should be literally HD quality starting tomorrow. Second of all, uh, some of you have also asked about the Harris Rules Store. Harris Rules Store. If you'd like to pick up one of your uh, free T-shirt, free coffee mug, whatever you'd like, um, and I say free because if you use the checkout, the the code Premier at checkout, you only have to pay for the shipping and handling. So um, again, a lot of you like to wear, and I appreciate it because I'm wearing one now, one of the Harris Rules T-shirts, and it does kind of set your mind in motion to. Be focused on being of service to others and doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, which I believe is rule number 13 or might be rule number three. I don't remember. Um, but in any event, guys, look, stay focused. Um, so, Julie, I know we're going to talk about appraisal problems. That's something that a lot of folks have been asking for us to cover on the podcast today. But one of the things I want to talk about real quick first is I feel a slowing of momentum that a lot of you are basically uh, accepting as normal. And I'm here to tell you it's not normal. And furthermore, you don't even know you're doing it. So here's just some facts, and I'm not going to try to doctor fill you all as to why you're deciding to, some of you are deciding not to basically be as intensely focused as you were, say, 90 days ago, but I'm just going to state some simple facts. The markets in many uh, parts of the country are definitely transitioning and have been for the past two years, but I think for the first time, a lot of you guys are believing us that they're transitioning. If you're in Manhattan, if you're in some of these markets where the upper end stuff has essentially run the market for the last more or less seven years, you're experiencing a real dramatic slowdown, and for some of you, it's very shocking, and I understand that. Um, and a lot of you across the country who are selling normal price stuff, you guys are experiencing a slowdown too. It still feels like there's not a lot of inventory, but if you go and look at the inventory that's coming up, you're going to start noticing it sits on the market longer. So look, here's the bottom line. What you guys do, and write this down in your notes, it is not dependent on what the market's doing. It's not dependent on what the interest rates are going to do. It does not really even depend on the mindsets or the attitudes of your buyers and sellers. And I know, see, that's I'm knocking out all these excuses because those are the excuses I'm I'm reading and I'm hearing from a lot of you. What you guys do now is what's going to determine your future, not in a day or 24 hours, two weeks, or even a month. What you do now is going to de- determine your future in the spring. So here's a simple fact, and I'm going to really break this down. It's a reminder for many of you, but for some of you, it's going to be first-time information or first time you've heard this information. You don't have five months effectively to work left this, uh, the rest of this year. You really don't, because you're going to really. I mean, how many? Even if you wanted to work really hard for December, how many people are going to want to move? Not very many. So you maybe have two weeks of work in December, two weeks of work in November. Most people take the last week, and I'm not. By most people, I don't mean like. 
you know, normal people, but <laughs> most people in the real estate industry take the last week of October off. Okay, September next month, usually people have a slow uh, first week because of the fact that in most parts of the country, kids go back to school um, in the last part of uh, August, uh, you know, October. You know, around uh, August 29th, 28th, 27th, somewhere in there. Some of you I know have your kids going back to school now. And, yes, I understand everyone's silently celebrating. <laughs> I get it. Um, so, look, guys, you don't have five months left this year to accomplish your goals. You don't have five months left this year to basically screw around. You really only, if you add up all the actual work days you have left this year, you maybe have eight weeks. Some of you might have ten. That should make you a little bit, I don't know, a whole variety of emotions, but here's all I want you to do. What you choose to do with the working time you have left this year will determine how your first quarter of 2018 is going to be. So if you're not working now, if you're not fostering relationships now, and you're just thinking somehow the real estate roulette wheel is going to spin your way come spring of next year, you're going to have a terrible start to the year. A lot of you who have been uh, dialed into us for a long time, a lot of you who are uh, coaching members, you are having and had your best years ever because of the fact that you listened to us bitch at you last year about not being lazy this time last year for the sake of what I'm telling you, right? So a lot of you are having your best years ever this year because you decided to drill down and work in third and fourth quarter of 2016. Fact. Now, what are you doing about it now? What are you actually doing? What actions are you taking? I mean, I'm on the phone. I'm on private coaching calls with some of you guys, and you guys have made millions of dollars. Some of you have literally made more money than you've made in the past 20 years of your lives this year. I have coaching clients in Manhattan, coaching clients in L.A., coaching clients in some of the most expensive markets in the United States, and you guys are sitting on tons of cash. And you have congratulations, good job. But you know what? So what? You're essentially benefiting from the work you did yesterday, six months ago. You need to be thinking about the future version of you. So here's something that's kind of fun. Um, when you have a success, a sale, when you have something that actually works and works well, actually thank the past iteration of you. Like Julie and I will say, thanks, Tim and Julie, past Tim and Julie. You know, when we get a rent check-in, thanks, past Tim and Julie. When we get some benefit of something we did 10 years ago, pa thanks, past Tim and Julie. We have rental properties that we bought two decades ago. Thanks, past Tim and Julie. I want you guys to experience the same thing. But you have to do it deliberately. You have to stay focused and drilled down. And I feel and I fear for those of you who are allowing yourselves to slow down. And you're allowing yourselves to slow down because you're buying into the bullshit. Oh, it's slower. Oh, there's not as many buyers and sellers in the market. Oh, the holidays are coming. Oh, this, that, or the other thing. Let the loser agents buy into that. You cannot. You have to drill down and stay focused. So here's the challenge I have for all of you. I want you to take a calendar, and I want you to mark on the calendar, just an old-fashioned calendar, what days you're going to be working for the rest of the year. I want you to hang that on the wall and look at it, and then I want you, on those days you're going to be working, to absolutely decide what the things are that you're going to be doing the particular days that you're going to be working. So what is it that you're going to get done those particular days? And those things better sure as heck have to do with basic lead generation. You know, it's generating the lead. It's pre-qualifying the lead. Those types of activities. We talk about that, I mean, basically this whole 
podcast series is basically focused on the practical, tactical things you guys can put do to put yourselves in action, help others, and make money. So go back and listen to past shows. Or by the way, I'll even make it easier for you. Request a free coaching call by going to freecoachingcallsforagents.com and just fill out that form and we'll give you our book, The Real Estate Treasure Map. Another thing you can do is just text the word coaching to 24587. Text the word coaching to 24587 and we will uh, you'll be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches and also you'll get the books for free as well real estate treasure map is the one i want you guys to take seriously so here's the thing mentally and emotionally some of you guys are spinning down i feel it and you have to stop it you have to stop it because you have to take care of the future version of you julie can i be any more clear on this am i am i being too dramatic (laughs) am i not dramatic enough no not at all I think it's it's very uh, clear and true, and all they have to do, I mean, you were talking about agents who have had their best months and best quarters ever. Track when the first time you spoke with those people who just closed. When was the last time, yep. or I'm sorry, when was the first time you spoke with them? And that will show you how true what Tim is talking about really is. And to your point about thanks past Tim and Julie, thanks past, you know, whatever your name is, you can't create that unless you took action in the first place. So I say I kind of do it the forward version, uh, sometimes coaching wise, where I'll say, you know, if you don't take that action, you don't spend your time in the things that actually make you money today, you are guaranteeing that the future you 30, 60, 90 days, six months out can't say thank you past whatever your name is. You're making sure that that doesn't happen by not taking action today. And it's a choice. I think you earn the right to be self-employed by not acting self-unemployed every day well i had a julie i just had a call with one of our agents in manhattan right and most of mm-hmm. our agents most of our hiring day agents guys we sign agreements with them that we will not uh, disclose that we're coaching them and you know what i know we're the only ones that do that but if i were in real estate just being honest guys and i were having me or julie coach you i'd want to have the same thing i'd want an agreement specifically stating that you, you know, Tim and Julie are not allowed to essentially announce to my competitors that you're coaching me because obviously your competitors <laughs> are just going to start doing what they're just going to start doing what you're doing. Okay, I mean that was one of the anyway. So that's just ridiculous that uh, more people don't look at their businesses like we do in terms of basically protecting whoever your advisors are. But look, so I'm on the coaching call with one of these agents in Manhattan that's made tons of money, and you, many of you guys know who this person is. And so he just got back from Paris. He bought a Bentley this year. He he charter a yacht when he was over there with his buddies who he paid to fly over. I mean, this guy was living like a rap video this whole year, in essence. And he started telling me about how he's, you know, for his family and how he's buying presents and all this rest of it and how he's surprised his wife with Summer May's bag that she bought, all this stuff, right? And right, I was celebrating with him because I'm his coach, and I know that he worked his ass off to get there, and he had to basically do a hell of a lot of doing what he didn't want to do and he didn't want to do at the highest level, but we were there. Now, he was like – but what he didn't realize was he was spending too much time celebrating and not enough time getting back to work. So I let him celebrate, and I listened to him, and you know, I congratulated him. We did that for like maybe 10 minutes of our call. And then I say, is it okay that I tell you something that you probably don't want to hear? Is it all right that we now have a coaching call where I can make sure that basically we're celebrating like this next year at this time? And you know what? He got it. He understood. He has been doing none of the activities over the last, like, 90 days, not really at a high level of intensity, that he had to get there to enjoy this success. He basically had stopped doing the real work in his business. 
And I reminded him. And so what I did is what I had him do is the exact same thing I'm asking you guys, asking you guys to do. Create a 12, or in essence, a five-month calendar for the rest of the year, scheduling out the days you're going to be working. And on the days you claim you're going to be working, notice I said claim, you're going to have to have a minimum standard of what you will do. Three to five things that you'll do every single day. Otherwise, you're just screwing around. And the things you must be doing are the things that are going to result in you basically being of service to other people and generating a paycheck. Julie, I, we need to take a quick commercial break. I need to top off my coffee. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about the top uh, 20 strategies to avoid an appraisal apocalypse. Boy, that's dramatic. I love the name. Okay, we'll be right back. Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris is brought to you in part by Firepoint. Growing a real estate business is all about knowing your numbers. Long-term success in real estate is knowing how to capitalize on those numbers daily. As the head of your team, whether it's one, 100, or even a thousand people, FirePoint is the all-in-one business solution for you. Created by agents for agents, FirePoint is more than just another CRM. FirePoint offers a complete picture of your business. From lead generation to team management and accountability and the best return on investment reports in the industry, FirePoint is the solution that is focused on what matters showing you the most profitable path to more closed transactions. Schedule a free demo at firepoint.net. Okay, we're back. So, Julie, why did you decide to focus today and tomorrow's <laughs> shows on appraisal problems? Yes, well, it's a good question. It is mainly because in our Premier Coaching uh, class, this comes up quite a bit. And also, I see a lot of chatter on Facebook and different agent uh, groups, and it comes up on private coaching calls as well. I think that we're seeing more of this as markets, you know, kind of are deciding how hot and for how long they're going to be with these multiple offers and what agents are having to do to score that listing for their buyer going over list price. And then everybody lives in fear of that cut appraisal. And indeed, that is a legitimate fear because it does happen. And then what are you supposed to do about it? So we wanted to address all of this in kind of one piece. And we're going to talk about how will you know there's an appraisal issue on the horizon? What should you know to prepare? And what should you do? So we're going to get into that so that, you know, the buyers and sellers are not blindsided by this and freak out and bail on the deal. A lot of this is about uh, correct preparation and knowing your stuff. So that's why. That's my long answer to your short question. Well, and so your responsibility, whether it's you're on the buyer side, seller side, or you're double-ending the listing, is to understand the nuances of how to get these appraisals together. A lot of you guys are not doing the prep work and not preparing the, the transaction for a potential, uh, potential appraisal problems. And the appraisal problems, I'm here to tell you, are getting worse. And a lot of you guys know they're getting worse, but I'm telling you they're getting worse. And that's, that pattern is going to continue. So you need to absolutely positively become really efficient on understanding why appraisal problems happen. Happen. And oftentimes they happen for the stupidest reasons. And so we're going to be going over a lot of the – these are kind of like the ground rules, the rules that you guys need to be uh, writing down, paying attention to, so that when you see any of these problems starting to bubble up, or more importantly, when you suspect the problems are going to happen, because let's say, for example, they have an out-of-area out appraiser that comes in, something like that, you guys can basically head it off the pass. So, Julie, go ahead. Yes, so I pulled out one of my favorite quotes, not just about being prepared for appraisals, but life in general. There's a great book by Chris Hadfield, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. Yes, kind of nerdy and analytical, but also a really fun, very effective read. And the quote is this, 
he, I remember this is an astronaut. He said, in my, it comes from not knowing what to expect and not feeling you have any control over what's about to happen. When you feel helpless, you're far more afraid than you would be if you knew the facts. And that made me think of our appraisal issue. So how do you know if you should possibly be anticipating this problem? What are some of the early warning signs? So I'm going to go through this relatively fast so we can get to uh, what to do about it. But how do you know to anticipate this? Well, point number one, you price the home based on one or two significantly higher closed sales, but there are still many more that are recently closed that did not achieve that price. And you know that sellers love to do this to you guys. So you've got like 15 comps that say it should be 550, and you've got one that closed at 600. <laughs> Guess what they want to use? Guess what you want to use, right? You don't want to lose the listing over that. So that's recipe for a potentially cut appraised value because appraisers are less emotional about their pricing, more analytical. So point number two, when you might be anticipating this, you price the home based on recent comps plus, okay, with big plus signs, comps plus something accounting for appreciation in a crazy market. And you're rolling the dice that you're right. So you're actually pricing over your last best comp because the market's been acting hot and you, you figure, you know, we'll see if we can get it, right? And houses are worth people what people are willing to pay, at least until an appraisal comes out, right? So that could be an early warning sign. Point number three, you don't actually have any comps due to lack of recent sales, lack of similar enough sales, or lack of similar enough comps in some way. It comes up a lot in premier coaching, Tim, where people have the question, you know, I can't even find any comps. Maybe it's too unusual. Maybe it's too far out. Maybe there just hasn't been a closing in that neighborhood for ages. So you're guessing at price, and you know you're guessing high. Recipe for an appraisal issue. And the last point, number four, this is the worst mistake, I think. You priced it based on what the seller, quote, needs versus what the comps actually tell you. This is known as seller pricing. Anything else you'd add to that, Tim, for early warning signs when you should be probably freaking out that you're going to have an appraisal problem? I think it's worth mentioning, Julie, that we're not giving them permission. And this is, again, I'm saying this for the newer agent's sake mostly. We're not giving you permission to act like uh, some, sometimes you guys will go to extreme and you'll start basically being real buttheads about pricing. So we're in a transitioning yeah. market. In a transitioning market, and Julie alluded to this, you're going to see a lot of sellers that are going to grasp onto uh, the realities from maybe six months or a year ago. So they're not going to want to use the five comps that show their house is worth 100000 less than they think. They're going to want to use the one comp that shows there's hope that it might be worth what they're hoping it's worth. You guys are knowing what I'm talking about if you're dealing with sellers. In a transitioning market, you still have lots of news reports, lots of things coming out everywhere that are blowing sunshine up sellers' butts and making them believe that they're still completely in control the market in all markets, and you guys know that they're not. So when you're in a market like this, it's important that you do not go psycho and make it so that you lose the listing over price. If the seller has to sell and you are in a situation where you knowingly have to take it over price, you can and you should so that you get the listing, but you must be honest with the seller about what's actually happening. Say, Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact that you think the house might be worth X. And in this marketplace, Mr. Seller, you know, there are no definites, and, and, but I can definitely tell you you have a fantastic property. So let's do this. 
let's start the price out at X, your price, and after two weeks or 10 showings, if we don't have a written verified offer on the property, then we agree to adjust it down by 10% so that we're more in alignment with the market's expectations. And so again, here's some advanced coaching for you guys. Never say lower the price. Lower the price to any seller is basically like, I don't know, it's going to say fingers on a chalkboard. Yeah, it's not something they want to hear. When you so price, pricing, numbers, they're ego. And if you basically tell them to lower the price, what you're in essence doing is you're essentially attacking their ego, and they're going to go into full-blown defense mode, and you're going to be back on your heels. It's going to create stress. You might lose the relationship over it. So you need to purge from your vocabulary the words lower price. You need to say instead, reposition the house on the market so that we correctly reflect the market's expectations. Okay? That's a nice PC way of saying, Mr. Seller, you're crazy about your price. Mr. Seller, we just need to be in alignment with the market's <laughs> yeah. expectations. So just open That's your better. mind to some of these some of these problems that we create as salespeople. You know, we create ourselves just because we're essentially being lazy on how we say things. You need to be more sensitive to the fact that a lot of these sellers, even though they're selling a house, that, oh, you know, in your mind you're thinking, well, it's your old house. It's still a personal item. And their still ego is still associated with it. It could be an investment property, still the same thing. So you need to be respectful of that. So, Julie, let's jump right in. That's it. So back to our astronaut friend for a second and the topic of what you should be doing about this. He said anticipating problems and figuring out how to solve them is the opposite of worrying about it. It's productive. So we need to get cracking on this. What should you actually be doing? What can you know in advance of the appraisal? Well, point number one, if you're on the listing side, you have to know the seller's actual net numbers. And I would say even if you don't think you're having an appraisal problem, you should be doing this. Do a real seller's net sheet. Have one at the price you're in contract for, the high ones that maybe you're worried about, and another one prepared based on the likely appraised value. Present the sellers with both. How much room is there to fluctuate for the seller? Well, a lot of these problems, Tim, that I hear about through coaching calls and you know the Facebook page, a lot of it is because the agent and the seller aren't even talking about real numbers. They're guesstimating because nobody did a net sheet for the seller. And I think this is more of a problem in the West Coast because agents are less involved the transaction once they get it in contract. Everyone needs to be talking real numbers, but especially if there's a potential appraisal issue. That way, you know what you're talking about, right? So point number two, if you're on the buyer side, Know the buyer's financial situation. Are they using every last dollar for their down payment? Are they buying before they sell? Is this an FHA or VA deal? It matters if the appraisal comes in too low, right? So especially if a buyer is guaranteeing the difference, do they even know what that means? And how much money are they good for when that's getting eaten up also by their down payment? Point number three on stuff you should know. What are the comps that support the price your buyer or seller is now pending at? Secret, early warning sign, if you don't have any, you're in trouble. Okay, so what are the comps supporting the price? Is it price per square foot? How does it compare? Preview pending comps if necessary to defend your pricing, but be ready to defend your pricing. And again, if you don't actually have any comps, you're going to have to have even more strategy of what your plan is going to be. So point number four, if you're the listing agent, are you clear on how or if your seller is motivated enough to take less than what you got them in contract for, less than their current pending price. You know, if it was multiple bid, it got bid up over list price, and that's what they're hanging their hat on because they just got themselves into contract based on that higher price. 
Well, are they motivated enough and do they have enough financial ability to close anyway? You know, what's your margin of error? Am I being too analytical, Tim? This is like, you know, no, it's good stuff. I mean, but the, you were just, I mean, if you're going to be analytical, Jill, you can go full blown analytical on these guys because we're talking about something <laughs> analytical called appraisers, right? Well, that's true. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, but Jill, you know, it's funny that <laughs> it's, it's funny that you actually. But it's funny that you ask that question because that's a lot of the times where agents who are, you know, agents, most of them aren't analytical, are going to run afoul of people that are analytical, i.e. appraisers. The miscommunication yep. because you yep. guys aren't taking the time to basically master your craft is what causes you problems. And look, analytical people, they make mistakes too, and one of the mistakes they make is they're conflict avoiders by nature. So they're not necessarily going to take the time to basically do, do some extra digging into the comps and whatnot. You sometimes, as Julie's alluding to, are going to have to help them uh, with the comps. Oh, Tim, what are you talking about? We can't come in direct contact with your appraisers anymore. Well, you guys, everyone here knows that you can't. So, I mean, look, I'm not telling you to break any laws or break any rules, but the fact is, is if you've got an appraisal problem, it's probably because you have an appraiser who is the problem. Sort it out. Go through the lender. Go probably. ahead, Julie. That's right. That's right. Good point. So point number five, you've got to know what has the activity been on the listing? Has there been tons of showings and offers? What do the other offers look like price-wise? And should you take a backup offer so that you have more bargaining position when it comes down to defending the appraisal or contesting the appraisal, splitting it up? How is that going to be handled? You know, as a listing agent, you have far more power if you can say, well, okay, we'll just take another offer. But if all of the other offers are at the same price, which are likely to have cut appraisals, you might not be doing yourself that much of a favor. But you've got to know what you're dealing with. So point number six, if you're the listing agent, here's a great strategy. Write into the contract, if your market tolerates this, it doesn't fly everywhere, but consider writing into the contract that the buyer will be responsible for any difference between contract price and appraised value. Now, note to self, some buyers agree to this without any understanding or without realizing how much money this could cost them, so you might not be out of the woods on this. Whether you're the buyer's agent or you're dealing with another buyer's agent, if you're a listing agent writing in that the buyer's going to pony up if this gets cut, you know, don't count on the fact that they can actually perform. I've heard of many deals dying over this particular issue. The buyer would do anything to get this house. They're competing. They'll go over list. They'll guarantee the appraisal. Just get me the house. And then when it comes down to it and they find out that they guaranteed a $25,000 difference, that gets taken out of their down payment money or they're going to have to go borrow it somewhere, the deal dies. Then you're back to the drawing board. So be careful if you're writing it in that you also are making sure everyone is crystal clear what that potentially means and be ready for smart buyer's agents to put a cap on that. So point number seven, and this is related. So if you're the buyer's agent, know what your buyer's tolerance and ability to make up the crazy difference actually is, as we just said. Are you rolling the dice or do they actually understand? Are they okay making up the difference of up to $5,000 and then after that we have to talk about, you know, a different remedy? Or are they all cash, they don't care, they just want the house, make it happen? Lots of different versions of that. Know who you're dealing with. So back to you, Tim, and tomorrow I think that uh, we'll get into what should you do when it really hits the fan on an appraisal and we've got some action steps there. It might be a good time to uh, break in anticipation of that, but it's up to you.
No, I think we should. And this is, again, as the market starts to change, you're going to have to become very aggressive. You might find a seller that's willing and a buyer that are willing to put numbers together on a piece of paper and basically say we're in contract, and the appraiser blows up the deal. These types of issues happen all the time in an adjusting market. And I'm here to tell you that they're all avoidable. And it's not necessarily a, a function of you having to do battle with the seller or the seller having to do battle with the buyer. It's mostly a case of where Julie's giving you some specific details or the appraiser was just getting the number, getting the job done. Maybe he was rushed. Maybe he didn't know the market as well. And when you're dealing with the complexities of, uh, you know, housing that's not necessarily the same, where you know every little piece of real estate. It's the reason that real estate agents will always be relevant, guys, because we're not selling commodities, right? A house is always different. You could even have a subdivision where there's only seven different types of houses, but every one of those houses has subtle differences. Maybe one smells like cat pee. You know, one has a better yard. One has more traffic noise. All those types of things are the intangibles that appraisers aren't necessarily going to recognize. That's the reason that you have to be an expert. At least be prepared when you get something in contract uh, to essentially defend the numbers. Or if the appraiser comes in, you know, basically with an, uh, you'll get sometimes these out of area guys like we've described before, and they're the worst because they're not even going to know your market. If you're dealing on third homes, vacation homes, luxury properties, you guys are going to have to really become experts at what the appraisers have how they think and how they act. Otherwise, you're going to have more contracts falling out of uh, more deals falling out of contract. In California, in Hawaii, in some of these other major markets, 50% of your deals fall out of contract. Why? Is it because the buyer and the seller basically, you know, change their minds? No, not usually. It's because there's complexities got introduced from the appraisers that shouldn't be happening. So tune in tomorrow. We're going to go over that more, obviously, and answer any questions you guys have. Listen, we're always appreciative of your feedback, always appreciative of suggestions you have who uh, we might interview as, uh, to be on the show. Love the ideas that you guys come up with how, uh, helping to make the show better. Um, like I said, one of, uh, not really, honestly, very many of you, but a lot of you have requested that we start broadcasting in HD. Hopefully, if all the uh, stars align, we'll be doing that starting tomorrow. So we did listen. We did take action. And along the lines of taking action listening, please do listen to what I said at the top of the show today about treating the next five months of this year incredibly serious because it's going to determine your fate for all of next year. If you, if you start out slow next year and if you don't have momentum going into next year and you basically decide, well, I'm going to kick it in, say, May or June of next year, you've already missed the entire market. That's a fact. So please listen to your coach, or in some cases, some of you haven't hired us to be your coach yet, so listen to your future coach. Your 2018 has already started, okay? So download your real estate treasure map, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, or just text the word coaching to 24587, and remember, message and data rates may apply. If you guys need us for anything, please reach out, Tim at timandjulieharris.com, or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.